all right so we'll be going further in our discourse this morning and i want you to if you have a smartphone i want you to share the service if you're in the community group um the link is already there so kindly share the service you never know who is going to be blessed and what life is going to be changed as a result of that simple act so all through this month we've been discussing how to get anything you want in life and in the marketplace how to get anything you want in life and the marketplace by the way 17 days to codred revival 17 days 17 days somebody looking forward to it it's going to be heaven on earth it's going to be amazing it's going to be life-changing our scriptural text for this series is romans 8 and verse 32 and first corinthians chapter 3 and verse 21 to 23 we're going to do a memory verse this morning (laughs) I think we should be doing that every month. For every scriptural text for the series, everybody should know it. This is a word-based choice, so you must know the word. Does somebody agree with me? All right, so we're going to be memorizing Romans 8 and verse 32. Can we read together one to go? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him for up for us all. How shall we not with him also freely give us all things? Now you're going to personalize it. You're going to, you know how you're going to do that, right? So one to go. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for me. How shall he not with him also freely give me all things? I want you to say it again. We're going to do that three times. One to go. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for me. How shall he not with him also freely give me all things? For the third time, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for me. How shall he not with him also freely give me all things? Now I want you to look at your neighbor and say that to your neighbor. Say, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for you. How shall he not with him also freely give you all things? So the Bible is making us understand here that if God gave us a son, there is nothing he's going to hold back from you. That's what the Bible says, I think, in Psalms 84 and verse 11. It says, No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21 to 23, it says, Let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world, or life or death, or things present or things to come, all are yours. And you are Christ, and Christ is God's. I want us to also go to First Peter chapter two and verse three this morning. First Peter chapter two and verse three. First Peter chapter two and verse three. I want us to read it together. First Peter chapter two and verse. Uh, just a minute. I'm not sure I got that correctly. Um, so media, please help me search for according as his divine power has given us all things. Someone can just Google that. I'm not sure that reference is correct. Maybe Second Peter quickly confirm that. I want us to see that scripture. According as his divine power has given us all things that pertains unto life and godliness. Anybody with internet connection can do that very quickly. Second Peter 1 3. Okay, I knew that I must have switched it somewhere. All right, so Second Peter 1 3. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. All right, let's read together one to go. According as his divine power 
has given us how many things? things. Most things. things. Some things. things. Now, let's go back again. According as his divine power will give us. Is going to give us. Has given us how many things? That pertains unto what? And... So the life deals with everything you will never need to live a good life. And he now says, and godliness. Talking about the spiritual part. Because most times when people use the scripture, they say, no, what God has given us are the spiritual things. The gift of the spirit and all those things. But you see, the Bible clarifies it and differentiates it. It says he has given us all things that pertains unto life and not life or godliness. It says life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Now you need to pay attention to how he has given it to you. He has given it but you only get it through what? Through what? Through the knowledge of him that has called you. So you must have the knowledge, number one, of God. Number two, you must have the knowledge of how to get what he has made available to you. Now, the reason why many believers are not walking in the reality and the manifestation of what Christ has made available to us is not because it has been withheld from us. It's because many don't know how to bring into material existence what has been made available in the realm of the Spirit. There are certain assumptions that I made up front in this discourse going into this series. I was going to mention that on Sunday, but I don't know it slipped by me. The first assumption is that what you want is not harmful to another human being. So in case someone say, oh, you know, what I want, you know, is to swindle someone for my God to pay. I'm not talking to you in this series. Whatever it is that you're trusting for or whatever it is you want to get, the assumption is that what you want is not detrimental or harmful to your fellow man. The second assumption is that what you want and desire is within the boundaries of scriptures. So for instance, you cannot, you know, like a married woman or want a second wife. That's not within the boundaries of scripture. Praise the Lord. So that assumption, you know, that's the assumption I have. And it needs to be clarified. So before deciding what you want in and out of life and in the marketplace, it is advisable you find out God's plan and purpose for your life. Some of those things I've mentioned it, but I want to state them as points for easy comprehension. You must find out God's plan and purpose for your life. In Ephesians 1 verse 17 to 18, the Bible says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. That you may know there is a calling upon every believer. It's not a calling to the pulpit ministry. It's not a calling to be a missionary. But there is a calling upon the life of every believer. The calling simply means the reason why he made you. The reason why you are here on earth. The reason why you didn't come in 1902. The reason why you were born in the 80s. In the 70s. Right? In the 90s. And in the 20s. For the millennials. Praise the Lord. There is a reason why you're on earth at this time. What is that purpose? You must, even if you don't have a full picture of it, you must have an idea for that thing. Because if you desire something and you go after something, you, uh, you know, go after it all your life. How painful it will be to realize at the end of your life that the ladder you have been climbing was leaning on the wrong wall. There are people who have pursued things, pursued goals, pursued desires, only for them to realize when it was too late that this was not really what I wanted. So before deciding what you want, 
Make sure you find out God's plan and purpose for your life. And it is not very difficult. I know there are people who kind of paint that picture that to find out God's purpose, you must do 40 days dry fast. No, 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 no. You see, there are things that will make you, you know, things that serve as indicators that will let you know that this is the direction in which God is leading me. For instance, your personality was for your purpose. There is a reason why Esther was that beautiful because it was through a beauty pageant, right? She would gain access into the palace and eventually become an emancipator for a whole generation. There is a reason. There is a reason. Whatever it is, your height, your complexion, your stature, the place where you were born, the family you came out from, it is part of God's, you know, genius of making you into that kind of person that can fulfill the purpose and destiny he has for you. There are certain things that I never find attractive, I'm not interested in. And there are certain things you are interested in that I will never be interested in. It's as a result of God's wiring. You think you are the one that is like that. No, God made you like that. There is a reason why some people are reserved. There is a reason why some people are conservative. There is a reason why some people are out there. Why you are so amiable now? Everybody should be friendly. But some people are more friendly than others. Am I right? Praise the Lord. So you must find out. Find out what God's purpose, what God's idea. Why did he make you? Why did he bring you to this world? Why this time? The second thing that I would advise as you decide what you want out of life is you must ensure what you want is not born out of greed and covetousness. Ensure what you want is not born out of greed and covetousness or what we call unhealthy competition. There is a lot of it going on in the world right now, in this ancient time. Thank God for the two-legged sword, right, of the social media. Years back, if something happens for your friend, right, if there is a promotion, your friend maybe bought a new car, got a new job, moved to a new side of town, you never know until maybe months or years later when you guys see. But now, as it is happening, you are seeing it because they are also dropping it, <laughs> Dropping it like he's up. So there is a tendency to begin to compare someone's spotlight life to your own backstage life. And let me tell you this nobody posts their worst moments online. So oftentimes, what people desire is not really what you know they uh, what they really want. It's as a result of greed, it's as a result of covetousness, and sometimes as a result of unhealthy competition. I said unhealthy because some competitions are good. You can provoke each other to do good. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But it becomes unhealthy when you are not concerned about the process. Somebody went through to get to where they are. You are not even concerned about the, about the price and the sacrifices they made. You just want their results and you want it now without the process. I read a book so many years ago. You know, and yesterday I just referred to it. You know, I read about a story in that book by John Agee, The Seven Secrets of Student Success or something like that. And was talking about greed. How, you know, uh, uh, when people are in um, college, in high school, there is a lot of pressure to become someone else. There is a lot of pressure to look a certain way, to have a particular size, body shape, uh, size 8 or 6. There is a way, you know, you are body shamed. You know, so he was trying to talk about in that book about, you know, what people's standard of success should be and how much is enough. 
So it's told the story of a particular man, you know, who wanted lands, small lands. And somebody spotted his greed and his covetousness. And they decided to teach him a lesson. So the story is told that there was a rich man who always wanted more. So one day he heard that for a thousand rubies, he could have all the land that he was able to walk around in a single day. As long as he returned to the starting point by sundown. If not, he will forfeit all the land. Did you get that? So he must, no matter how far he goes. So for instance, if he can walk from beggar to Aja, and by sundown he is back in beggar, all the land from beggar to Aja will be his. So he thought that was a smart decision, but he had to walk it. You know, you shall possess the land, wherever the soul of your tree tread upon. <laughs> so the man rose up early and he set out. He kept pushing himself to go further and further. Suddenly, he realized it was mid-afternoon. And he would have to travel very fast if he were to return in time to claim the land. As the sun got lower in the sky, he began to run. Coming within sight of his starting point, he exerted his last ounce of energy, plunged over the finish line, collapsed and died. His servant dug a grave and buried him on the same spot. Morale of the story, you can't have it all. Success is not about having it all. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you are trying to get everything you see online, you may run mad. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't need to... You see, success is not about having it all. It's about having what God wants for you. And like I already said it, there is nothing you can desire for your life that can be greater than what God desires for you. You may not understand that in the immediate, but let me tell you this, time eventually proves God right. Time eventually proves that God is right. You must also decide in advance that you will settle for nothing but God's best in every area of your life. You must decide in advance. Mr. Dutton, you are not writing. You must decide in advance that you are not going to settle for anything but God's best for you in any area of your life. You look at the children of Israel. God's best for them at a particular season was for them not to have a human king. Was for them to be led by judges. But the Bible says, you see, they didn't even hide it. They said, we want to be like other nations. We also want to have kings. God said, it's, you see, and it's not that God didn't want to give them a king. He said, but for now, my agenda, my plan for you is not to have a king. But the Bible says they insisted. That's why you need to be careful. You say, there are some of us who go into the place of prayers. You have asked for certain things. You don't hear any response from God. And you mistake silence for go ahead. Don't ever make that mistake. Silence is silence. You can't come to me now and say, Pastor, I need $10,000. And I keep quiet. I say, Pastor, I said yes. I didn't say yes. Same thing in our dealings with God. Sometimes people say, I know, you know, I just have peace. Peace with God is different from peace at last. Sometimes God will allow you to have your way. But let me tell you this, at the end of it, there will be pain. It got to a point, God had to, you know, they went to Samuel. They were pressuring him. Tell God to give us a king. And Samuel told them, why do you guys want a king? That was when Samuel said, have I converted anything from any of you? You know, Samuel at the point thought maybe it was about him. Maybe it was the one people did not want anymore. Maybe they were rejecting him. And God said, it's not about you. He said, no problem. I'm going to give them a king. But that king is going to oppress them. 
is going to oppress them. He said, that's not my plan. Eventually, God gave them David, but they should have waited for David. Instead, they chose Saul. They said, we want it now. Some of the things that, so that's what the Bible says, no good thing we leave we told from them that walk uprightly. Some things that you don't have yet, it's not that God does not want to give it to you. It might be that it's not yet time. It might be that you have not yet matured to the point where you can undo some of those things. Because let me tell you this, you need a measure of maturity to undo certain blessings. Some families were okay until the blessings of the Lord came. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So decide in advance that you will settle for nothing but God's best for you in every area of your life. In every area of your life. Whether it's in finances, whether it's in marriage, whether it's in business, it's in career. Make up your mind in advance that I will settle for nothing but God's best for me. God's best for me. And let me tell you this, you are the only one that can tell what God's best is for you. You must know God that much. You must know God that much. You must know God that much. Let me tell you this. Especially for those of us that are single. Don't, you know, one of the questions I ask people when they come around me, and say, oh, I'm in a relationship, blah, blah, blah. Like, I always ask them, are you going into this relationship because you feel you have no other option? Or because you feel this is it? You must get to that point where you can be able to say, of the truth, this is it. Not, ah, you are hopeless. And the biological clock is ticking. And because you already have a goal, that by 30, I must be in my husband's house. Or by 30, I must be a married man. Or by 25. Who set those goals for you? The society, pressure. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Ah, by, by, at this time, my mates, my mates are already buying cars. Me, I don't have cars. It's a good thing to have a car. It's not a luxury, it's a necessity. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not downplaying that. But let me tell you this, everybody's race is not the same. And all this idea of classmates, please, let's stop it. In life, there are no classmates. There are only result and destiny mates. Like, we went to the same school together. We we're classmates. That story. I'm going to come to that very shortly. So we said the practical steps to getting what you want. Number one is kingdom prioritization and mindedness. Kingdom prioritization and mindedness. If you're going to get anything you want, you must prioritize God. The Bible says in Matthew 6 and verse 33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It says, And every other thing will be added unto you. Everything means everything. When you make what is important to God important to you, what is important to you will eventually become important to God. I grew up in a denomination where the parishioners never cared about the kingdom. That's just the truth. That's just the truth. I won't mention the name of the denomination. You see, they can build a church for 30 years, one church. Not a mega church. A church that can sit maybe like 100 people. They can build it for 20 years. And even after the building, when they dedicate, you'll be wondering, this is what you'll be for 20 years, really? And let me tell you this. Without being, you know, is where I came out from. Thank God for that background. It gave me a lot of teaching. But you can see a lot of people in those circles, they are very poor. Very. In fact, most of them, of them are embodiment of poverty. Because they never cared about, you see, and let me tell you this, what I'm saying in scripture is in the Bible. God told the children of Israel, he said, all of you, maybe we should even see the scripture. I think we should open it. Because sometimes when we quote some of this, a guy chapter one, let's go there. A guy chapter one and verse nine. See, if all you get throughout this month, of course, you're getting more than that. If all you get is this kingdom-mindedness and prioritization, is enough. Because we are raising a generation of believers that does not even care about God. It's about what God can do for them. For many people, God is an errand boy. They get into the place of prayer. They don't, people don't even say, good morning, Jesus. They don't even say, Father, I thank you. If Father, as I go out today, I want to blow. That customer, let them, you know, no gratitude. 
No recourse to what he has done. Hey, guy one, let's all read it together. We'll read from verse 9 to verse 12. Are we ready? Clear your throat. <clears throat> like OBJ. <laughs> let's go. You look for much, and lo, it came to what? Little. And when you brought it home, what happened? I blew upon it that I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because my own house is in waste, and you run every man towards his own house. Verse 10. Therefore, the heaven over you is stayed from thee, and the earth is stayed from our fruits. And I caught for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, upon that which the ground brings forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon the labor of the hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shittiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnants of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Agai the prophet, as the Lord their God has sent him. And the people did fear before the Lord. What did that mean? Say, God even mentioned some prophets, some priests there. It means being a pastor does not mean you'll be kingdom-minded. There are pastors who don't care about the kingdom, who don't care about God. There are pastors who want to have a large congregation simply to boost their ego. That my church, I, I, I pastor 500 people. It's more than that. It's about the lives of people. It's about the souls of men. God said to them, "Say every one of you." I love the way. In, I think it was the NLT that explains it better. He said, "My house is in shambles, but all of you, you go to panel houses. There is POP in your house. You know, some people are always amazed." When they think some things is too small to be done for the church. But in your own house there is AC, but there should be AC, no AC in the house of God. Why, why should there be AC? But you desire it in your own house. Kingdom mindedness. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying this morning? Make what is important. You say, let me tell you this. One of the reasons why I decided to marry my wife, should I tell you? Do you want to know? You guys like story. <laughs> I remember when we were, you know, we're just friends then. And our church, when we were dating, you know, the fountain of life, they were building their, you know, their main church. And they asked people to give towards, you know, that. And as at that time, there was an amount that I knew that, you know, she, she, she could not afford. It was a sacrifice. Even the people that were working nine to five, that had good jobs, they won't give that kind of money. So they made a commitment for people to give, you know. And she step forward and gave. I was just like, ah, no, this girl has sense. We married this kind of girl. <laughs> because this, you know, I didn't want a marriage that we have to be explaining everything. I've never had to explain any giving to my wife before. That, you know, I will not bring out scripture, concordance, NLT message. I said, no, you see, in this version, the Bible says give. And, you know, maybe, no, no, maybe it's not give. Okay, let me open another translation for you. I didn't want that stress in my life. So I want that someone that already understood it. That won't have to be explaining that to someone that already had kingdom mindedness. Let me tell you this: you don't give to God's kingdom because you have. You give because you are kingdom minded. The Bible talks about a particular church. I can't remember the church. He said they gave even out of their deep poverty, not out of their poverty. The poverty was already deep, yet they gave out of it because it was a lifestyle. What about souls? When was the last time you reached out to someone? That's also, you see, because kingdom-mindedness is not just about giving your resources. It's also about reaching out to the lost. When was the last time you cared about someone that, you know, this person does not have Christ, but he has a big car. He won't drive that big car into eternity. I hope you are aware 
that fine cloth will not pass the coffin. Huh? That bone straight will not take him to heaven straight or her to heaven straight. It won't. Have you ever, have you ever looked beyond people's finesse and said, does this person have Christ? What was the last time? What was the last time? You know, some people even think it's beneath them. I'll not give somebody flyer. I'll not be saying, inviting people. Ah, no, 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 no. I've passed that. We have passed nowhere. In fact, it tells us how little you are. Number two, if you want to get anything you want. Number two, I'm going to do a little bit of restructuring. So if you've taken notes, just. My number two here, I restructured my notes. Is ascertain what you want is in alignment with God's will for your life. Or that is, be sure what you want is God's will for you. Be sure. Be sure. Be sure. Be sure. Number three. Be sure what you want is what you want. Emphasis on you. <laughs> is it what you want? Let's go to Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Mark 11 and verse 24. If you're taking notes, you can put that you in capital. Be sure what you want is what you want. I want us to read the scripture together. Mark 11 and verse 24. Mark 11 and verse 24. All eyes on the screen. Let's read together. One to go. Therefore, I say unto who? Unto you. Whatsoever you desire. When you pray, believe that you receive them. And we will have them. You will have them. What many people want today is not what they want. It's what friends have told them or influenced them unconsciously to want. Is what society has influenced many people to want. Family, friends, the media. The question is what you want. Is it really what you want? Or what you want so that you can be accepted in certain clubs? Certain groups? I know if I, if I don't use this, you know, they will think I'm a small girl. Some people don't like Apple. But because all their friends are using iPhone, they must also use iPhone. And they don't understand it. The only thing they use is take picture. That's all. And Instagram. That's all. They, they find it confusing. The interface, they don't understand it. But because I know, I'm, I know if I don't use an iPhone, I will not be a big girl, a big boy. And they are struggling with it. You see, whatever you want, let it be what you want. Identify with your core desire. In every area of life. Some people have married people because somebody told them, ah, she's good for you. Or he's good for you. At that babe now she's not bad she may be bad for your destiny let me tell you this the fact that you see there are no bad people in that sense but they are bad combinations that person that will not work well for you may be the best fit for somebody else i thank god i realized that I told us before i was in a relationship for four years fantastic person nothing beautiful family but still friends but I knew, ah, being a pastor, this would not be a good one. She is not naturally a pastor's wife. You know, a pastor's wife must be able to take nonsense. Respectfully. Now, that doesn't mean you try nonsense with my wife. <laughs> she doesn't do anything. I'm the one that will fight you. <laughs> but you know, there are some pastor's wife, you do something, they slap you straight. Church has scattered. Because somebody, a first time that comes, eh, is that they slap you people in your church? <laughs> I may be next, next Sunday. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Some people can control their hunger. You can't be in ministry if you're someone like that. 
So I had, to, I had to tell myself that no, 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 this is a fantastic. You see, there are some people that the best way to express love is to let them go. Many of us don't understand that dimension of love. It's to let everything you love does not have to be yours. Doesn't have to be. Be sure what you want is what you want. What you want. Number four, find out the scripture that promises you what you want. This is very critical. Find out the scriptures that promise you what you want. Jeremiah 15 and verse 16. The Bible says, your words were found. And I did it to them, and your word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord of hosts. So, if you are going to find the scripture, you must do the finding. You know, there are places where the pastor does everything. Pastor is the one, they find the scripture. They will come and meet pastor again. Pastor, what are the scripture? Go and find it yourself. That's how to grow. That's how to grow. That's how to grow. The Bible says to search the scriptures, John 5 and verse 39. He says, for in them, you think you have eternal life. And they that, and they are, um, King James sometimes. And they are they which testify of me, right? But the focus there is search the scripture. For in them you will have eternal life. Search it. Search it. When was the last time you sat down, you're trusting God for something, and you search for it in the Bible that, where does the Bible promise me this thing? See, nothing increases your faith like knowing that God said. Like knowing that God said. Nothing stirs up your faith. Nothing builds your confidence like it is written. See, the moment you can find it in the word that God promised me this, not the one that just wants it out of a selfish desire. It is God that promises this in the word. I can see it in black and white. The moment you can find that there is a measure of faith and confidence you have to pursue that thing you want. You see, the reason why there is so much doubt in many people's hearts when they are pursuing their goals, pursuing their dreams, their visions for life, is because they themselves are not even sure whether God wants it for them. Now, in the month of May, we dealt with finances. Some people have not become prosperous because they are still not sure. Does God really want me to be that rich? You know, somewhere at the back of their mind, especially if you grew up in a very religious environment where you are made to, be, made to believe that to be poor is to be pure. And they told you Jesus was not rich. They tell you he borrowed from the womb to the tomb. He borrowed Mary's womb. Borrowed the manger. Even the tomb where they buried him, they borrowed it. That Jesus borrowed. So there's nothing wrong in borrowing. You may even die as a borrower. You see, it's right me. <laughs> Religious programming. It sounds right. But you need to read the life of Jesus and then you will realize that he was not poor. I need to see it in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. That the Bible says, even though he was rich, yet he became poor. So that you through his poverty might become rich. If you have not found out in the Bible, you may still be auxilating. Am I supposed to be? All these things, you know, all these cares of this world, all this money, money thing. We brought nothing to this world. We take nothing out of it. It sounds right, but it's toxic. There are certain things I know, you know, that's when I'm going after it, I go after it with confidence because I've seen it in the world. You see, I know of the surety that sickness is not my portion. I just know it. I found that as an undergraduate, not now, years ago. 
Exodus 23 and verse 25. He says, you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and water and take sickness away from the midst of you. I found that as an undergraduate. And I remember that day. I used to be a very sick boy. Very sick. Every semester. In fact, there was this, um, is this soup they call it now um, that my mom used to bring towards the exam. She knows, everybody already knows how we fall sick towards that time. So it's one of the things I take. Huh? Bitter leaf. Well garnished with fish. When I see it and I take those medications, I will feel okay. One day I just said, no, 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 no. I can't be serving God and be serving sickness. So that day I locked my door. Please don't try it. If you have not grown to that level, you may die. That's just the truth. That day I told myself, I said, if I don't get it, it was that time I was already vibrating. Exam was closed. <laughs> Maybe it's exam fever. Intense malaria. You know, there's some malaria that's not normal. You know this malaria is from the devil. It's just not normal. When you are literally and you can't control the shaking. I locked the door and I said, is it that I die in this room or I get healed? And I opened my Bible to that scripture and I kept reading it. I kept reading it. You shall serve the Lord your God. Remember, you shall serve the Lord. So if you are not serving, you can't say that. So I was mentioning all the things I was doing as a student in my church. I will mention it to God. Father, you said if I serve you, I serve you with my finances, I serve you with my time, I serve you with my best. You know, I, and I kept reading it, I kept stating it, and I kept praying in tongues. For hours, first hour, I was still shaking. Second hour, I was still shaking. At the third hour, I broke out in sweats. And that was my victory over malaria, till date. Because I saw it in the world. I remember the last time I sat down and I was shaking. If I break down, it's because of overwork. And I already know, I've understood my body. I know when I'm tending close to you, so I backtrack and I rest. Because when you don't rest, it affects your immune system. I know I can never be poor because I saw it in the Bible. Not because of church offering. Somebody hear what I'm saying? I saw it. I saw it. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. He became poor so that I might become rich. We can't be poor together. So if he became poor, why are you still poor? It's okay if you still want to be poor, but me, I saw it and I know I can never be. You see, you have confidence for your desires when you can see it in the world. I know I can never die as a non-entity. I know I will be a voice in this nation and globally because I saw it in Deuteronomy 28 and verse 13. You shall be the head and not the tail. Above only. God did not make a provision for me to be in the middle. He said, above only and not beneath. What are you finding in the scripture? That business... That career. Have you found a scripture that supports that thing you are trusting God for? That is what you take into the place of prayers and say, Father, you have said. They came to Pilate. After he had written the inscription that was going to be placed over the cross of Jesus. He said, he's the king of the Jews, blah, blah, blah. The, uh, the, the, the Pharisees, they came to him and said, no, 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 change it. Change it. That he's not the king of the Jews. He said he's the king of the Jews. Because Pilate said, behold the king of the Jews. He said, change. He said, no, it is written, it is written. I remember that day sometimes last said the Holy Spirit said to me, He said, Whatever has been written cannot be unwritten. Whatever is written cannot be unwritten. So if he has written it, that's why Jesus said it is written. When the devil came to him, he said, Oh, if you turn this into this, it was tempting him. Every time Jesus responded with it is written. It is written. What has been written concerning what you are trusting God for? What has been written? About your academics, what has been written? About your marriage, what has been written? As a single trusting God to get married, what has been written? As a marital person trusting God for marital bliss, what has been written? You must find out the scripture. And it is no one's responsibility to do that for you. It is your responsibility. That's why irresponsible Christians don't live a balanced life. 
all this Christianity of going to one pastor, you know, you, 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 you drop a name, um, sir, I want to get married, but I don't understand who is God's choice. So you drop Alex, you drop Alexandra, and you drop Cassandra. And as I say, what is God's, what nonsense is that? You may not like it, but it's the truth. Where did you see that in the Bible? That the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what shall we eat? Should we eat bread, sliced bread, or garnished bread? I just said, hmm, sliced bread. Well, what's all that nonsense? We have brought our balism into church out of irresponsibility. Many people would rather a pastor be sending message to them. Now, pray with this scripture. Pray it into water. Drink it. Use it to bath. If that's your faith, no problem. But that's, it will feed the responsibility. You will never grow. You will never grow. That's why out of the absence of pastors, many believers can't do well. They're not raising those type of Christians in this house. Somebody hear what I'm saying? Because I also want to live long. If I live like that, I can't go on vacation. So if I go on vacation one month with my wife, because the Bible says enjoy the wife of your youth. Some of us are looking at me like vacation. This pastor is Kana. I am Kana. If that's what your definition of carnality is. <laughs> but if I go for one month and I come back, people's life will have be finished. I want a church that even when I come back, I say, ah, if I let me rest more, <laughs> sit down. Because people's life keeps moving forward. Nothing brings me joy like when people share testimonies in church, especially based on God's word and promise for that season. So, Pastor, I believed in this word. I did this and did that and this happened. That gives me joy. Because if you have done it once, you know it can happen again. You don't need to convince that kind of person that ah, if you do it again, it will happen. They know it has happened once, it can happen again. Hallelujah. Somebody getting blessed this morning. I know I can never be stranded in life because of Isaiah 15 and verse 7. For the Lord God will help me. It's not he may help me. For is a certain statement. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore I shall not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint. And I know. Not I am praying. It's not what I'm praying about anymore. I know. I've come to that place of conviction that I can never be ashamed. I always say it with all audacity. Which devil likes to hear it or not, I don't care. I can never be stranded. I can never lack men. Never. Whoever leaves me, I don't bother. Somebody leaves. You know, I hear some people say, if somebody leaves and they now curse them. Curse what? I saw you as a seed. I get the harvest. One person leaves, ten comes to replace them. You know why? I've sown the seed of, of service in people's life. I'm always there for my mentors. Always there. Always out to serve. And get to I'm a pastor. When I'm with my mentors, I'm not a pastor. Many people don't understand that there are places where you are a teacher. There are places you must become a student. They want to become a teacher everywhere. And that's why they never learn. They get to a level of growth and they play too. Don't let that happen to you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hosea 14 and verse 2. Let's have it on the screen. Hosea 14 and verse 2. Hosea chapter 14 and verse 2. Hosea chapter 14 and verse 2. What does it say? Let's go for the first phrase. What does it say? Want to go? Take with you what? Words. And do what? And turn to the Lord. Every time you go into the place of prayers, every time you're expressing your desire to God, he says, take with you words and turn to the Lord. Not your own words, but his own word. What has he said? You echo his promises. Oh, Father, I'm trusting you for this. You know, you see, the amazing thing is, you may not even see that thing exactly like that. For instance, there is no kind in the Bible. Huh? But there is a way a scripture can jump out to you. There's a way a scripture, that may not be what he's saying, but it becomes a revelation for you. And your faith is activated as a result of that word. 
don't be a lazy believer and irresponsible one looking for somebody to be sending you prayer points. Don't do that. Don't do that. Some of us don't like what I'm saying now. Well, pastor, see, you are the one that is called. We are all called. Our calling is just different. Praise the Lord. Number five, be specific about your desires. We spoke about that on Wednesday at the midweek recharge. Be specific. Be clear and specific about your desires. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45 to 51, the Bible spoke about a man by the name of Blind Bartimius. His surname is not, his first name is not Blind. Neither is his surname Bartimius. Bar simply means son of. So they didn't even tell us his name. They just told us he was the son of Timius and he was blind. The Bible says they heard that Jesus was passing by. And he asked, Who is that? What's happening? They said, Jesus is pressing by. The Bible says the guy shouted, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. Eventually, when Jesus sent for him, Jesus asked a question you will naturally feel Jesus is not supposed to ask. Let's go to verse 50. Go to the next verse. The Bible says, And casting away his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. Verse 51. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What do you want me to do for you? Why would you ask a blind man that question? Does it make sense? Yes, it does. Because a blind man may not want to see. He may want money. That's why let me tell you this. Before you help people, be sure what you are trying to do is what they want. And we see that in Acts chapter 2. Or is it Acts chapter chapter 3? The Bible says that Peter and John were going into the temple at the hour of prayer. And they saw a man that had been lame from the womb. They placed him by the gate called Beautiful. The Bible says when he saw Peter and John, the Bible says he desired money from them. He didn't desire healing. So Jesus did not make assumption. When he called for blind Bartimaeus, he said, what do you want? He said that I may receive my heart eyes my sight and he got it if he said that i may receive money he would have gotten money and remain blind you know many poor people especially in our nation they don't want to get out of poverty do you know that what they want is someone to keep giving them so it is a mistake to set up an irresponsible person you say you know let me open shop for them when i open shop you know at least they will not call me ah the calling has just started. Because you know what? You have told them you have what it takes to set them up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They don't want to. What they want is that consistency of reliability. Some people, see, <laughs> sometimes when people maybe talk to me about, you know, marriage counseling, when I do that sometimes professionally, sometimes I always try to find out, does this person really want, some people don't want their marriage to work. Of a truth. Because some men are not willing to do what it takes. Their ego is more important to them than their marital bliss. I'm a man. I'm a man. I'm a man. Keep being a man. Let me tell you this. I heard from someone recently, and he blessed me. He said, "As a man, you are not wise if you don't love your wife, and your children can see it. Because when children grow up, women are the one that do omugo, or is it omugo, or what's the correct pronoun? Men don't do it." So, when they get married and they start giving birth to children, they will send for their mother. Mommy will spend like one year. You will be by yourself. You're already dying. They will be giving mommy things that you will never know about because they know. So, it will not be a payback time. That woman, may not, that woman may not pay you back, but her children will pay you back. It is a wise strategy to love your wife. If you don't love her, just like I said last Sunday, leave her and let her be enjoying her father's house. It's not by force to marry. I don't know why the Holy Spirit, because this is not part of my message. Maybe there are men that need to get this and get it right. Because your pastor is not like that. 
So I don't know where you are carrying your spirit from. He's a strange spirit. And I will cast out that stranger. By the word, by prayer, by deliverance. <laughs> Hallelujah. Be clear. What do you want? Be clear about it. Be specific. Don't just say, God have mercy. Like blind Bartimaeus. Mercy is too generic. Mercy in what area? Anna didn't just ask for a child. She asked for a man child. A man child. She was specific. Jabez didn't just ask for enlargement. He asked for real estate. God enlarge my coast. Increase my landed property. That's what the Bible says. Many people just go to the place of prayer. God bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. That's me too generic. How do you know when you get blessed? When you can't measure it. When you can't measure it. Number what now? Six. Keep your keep what you want before your face. 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 Have a vision board. Have pictorial representation of of your heart desires. And consistently put it in a place where you can see it. I mentioned this before, so I'll just keep that. Number seven, surround yourself. This is very important. (laughs) Surround yourself with the people who have what you want. Surround yourself with the people who already have what you want. Surround yourself with the people who already have what you want. Build relationships with people that are not struggling in your area of struggle. You may die in that struggle. Some people are too sentimental with the association. I'm not asking you to cut off everybody in your life. But all your friends can't have the same struggle. I can't. And you are praying, God, get me out of it. You will not get out. When they put crabs in a basket, you know in the market they don't cover it. Why? None of them can come out. As one is trying to climb, they will pull it down. Try to climb, they will pull it down. That's the way the relationships in our life, that's the way it is for many of us. You are relating more with the people that you are... You know, I, (laughs) I love friends that put me under healthy pressure. All the time, you, you, you already feel like you have a roving. Eh? Arrive, I know. <laughs> Just trying to be humorous. All your friends, when you're, you are the local champion, when you share testimony, everybody keeps quiet. They say, Wow, ah, you're a big girl. You need to be a fool among the wise men so that you can become wiser. If you are the only wise man among fools, let me tell you, you cannot be wiser than that. You need the people that when you are in the midst of them, everybody has been saying you are wise, you are wise. When you talk, they'll look at you like, ah, Akin, did you hear yourself? You will keep quiet. And you go and learn more. Some of us, you have the highest certification in your family. And you are already square. You are carrying yourself, carrying your shoulder like you have boil under your armpits. Go and learn more. Surround yourself with them. You see, because when you surround yourself with the people that already have what you have, it makes you understand that it is possible for you to have it. Some things look impossible until you begin to associate with the people that those things are already they are normal. You want marital success? Associate with people who are not struggling maritally. You want financial breakthrough? Associate with people that money is not a problem to them. You can't want to be prosperous financially. And all your friends are always borrowing from you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They may still be your friends, but get more friends. 
so that when you eventually rise, you can also help them. If Joseph had stayed among his brothers, he would never have become prime minister. That's why he himself said, God sends me ahead of you so that I can help you. Let me tell you this, there are relationships you need to distance yourself from in the immediate so that in the future you can help them. But while all of you are together, none of you will do well. It's not a course, it's just research and scripture. Just it's, it's, it's plainly stated. Anything you are trusting God for, when you realize you have done all it takes, all you know, and that thing is still not becoming your reality, look for the people that, when you talk about it like you are believing, you are believing for that. It sounds foreign to them because it's their normal. Like, oh really, people believe for that? Really? Let me tell you this. The reason why most people are where they are is because they don't have an understanding or nobody has painted a picture of another possibility to them. The moment you begin to expose yourself to another possibility, you become uncomfortable with where you are. But you don't expose yourself. That's why you can't be a business person in your industry and you don't associate to the people doing better than you in that industry. You can't be a career person and you are not associating with people doing better than you in your career. No, you can't. Surround yourself with people who already have what you want. Surround yourself with them. When God told Moses that he was going to be the emancipator of Israel, Moses was a very smart man. Even though he had spent 40 days and 40 nights in the presence of God, and he did that twice, you know what he did? He looked for somebody that knew the way through the wilderness by the name of Obab. Let's go there. Numbers 10, 29. Numbers chapter 10 and verse 29. If it were some of us today, you say, do you know the encounter I've had with God? Have you fasted for 40 days? Did you see the revelation I received? And when the person has not seen that revelation, they say, no, just keep quiet. Numbers 10, 29, we'll read to verse 31 or 32. It says, And Moses said unto Obab, the son of Raguel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, We are joining unto the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us, and we will do you good. For the Lord has spoken good concerning Israel. Verse 30, And he said unto them, I will not go, that's Obab, but I will depart to my own land and to my kindred. Verse 31. And he said, leave us not, I pray thee, for as much as you know how we are to encamp in the wilderness, and how, and that, and thou mayest be to us, right? Instead of highs. Verse 32. And it shall be that if you go with us, yes, it shall be that whatever good the Lord does unto us, the same we will do unto you. Why? Because Obab knew his way through the wilderness. Many of us, the reason why we are struggling with things is because we are too proud to submit ourselves under the people God has given those things to. You know the reason why some people failed in school? Some people that should have graduated with 2-1, why they graduated with 2-2, sometimes pass. Or even advice to withdraw. They give you advice, but even if you don't take the advice, they will withdraw you. <laughs> People that should have graduated first class, but graduated too one. You know why? There, were, there was somebody in your class. Everybody has that in every class. That was a fickle. But if you know, he's a small boy. In some cases, even younger. As I mean, you know, that is the, the mate of my younger brother. But you have stayed with failure. Say, no, no, my. <laughs> you see, some of us have experienced this. You are watching TV, maybe with an uncle or your parents. Ah, it was my classmate. But you couldn't say it. Classmate is there. You are here. What happened? Pride. 
pride. See, I said this humbly. There is nobody that was in my class huh, that is doing well that I'm not in touch with. See, all this pride, stop it. I no, no, no. We are not even age mates. In life, there are no age mates. There are only results and what? Destiny mates. In the scheme of things, nobody reckons with your age. How old are you? So you are 25. You are even 25. You can't succeed. You are older, you 45. Ah, you qualify for success. Success does not come to the aged. It comes to those who know what they are doing. Sorry, they are qualified. You can be old and fail, and you can be young and do well. Even Jesus, when he came to the earth, he had 12 disciples. He needed the help of human beings. Help of human beings. Some of us just say, I, I don't need any man. And we even say it's spiritual. Like, no, all I need is God. And even God is looking at you like, why are you so stupid? Even me, I needed men. <laughs> when around those who already have what you want, please write this down. When you are around, see, see, wait, wait, before I say that. I think I've said this before. Did you know that none of the disciples of Jesus thought of where Jesus was going to be buried after he was crucified. Have you ever thought about it? None of them. They were not even around. They ran away, everybody to his own house. He took a John, um, Joseph of Arimathea, whom the Bible says that had influence with the politicians, went to Pilate and demanded for the body of Jesus and buried him well. You know, we only know Joseph of Arimathea. Do you know Nicodemus was also there? He's saying, John, John chapter 19, read it when you get home. I think maybe verse 32 there about. The Bible says, and Nicodemus also brought spices. The next verse after Arimathea went to Pilate. So even Jesus cultivated strategic alliances with the people he will need in death. He knew Peter did not have a tomb. Maybe he could not afford it. But Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, these were guys that were in politics. Politics is a dirty game. That's why you are clean. Go and make it clean. You may not get there the first four years. You may not get there in eight years, but be there. I don't understand young people in my days. Be tweeting online, doing protests. Let me tell you this. They don't count tweets. They only count votes. And the vote they count is not the one you do on election day. It's the one they do before primaries. Because when they have already chosen primaries, your option is already limited. When you have the options between two... choose anything again. They have chosen for you. So where you make choices, where you make decisions, where your votes really count is to decide who can win the primaries. So what do you want? You look on. So when you are around those who already have what you want, number one, ask intelligent and non-intrusive questions. Ask intelligent and non-intrusive questions. You can't come around the rich man the first day. So how did you make your money? That's the last day you will ever have access. Ask intelligent and non-intrusive questions. Number two, serve them without dissimulation. Dissimulation simply means without pretense, without an hidden agenda. Serve them. Serve them. Number three, honor them publicly, even if you are older. They have something you don't have. Especially in a part of the world where we are so we are so we are so age conscious. Somebody is younger than you, he's doing well, better, way better. 
I think it was, you know, I, I was having a conversation with, with, with some um, about people during the week. I can't remember who exactly. I was telling them about one of my very close friends. I'm older than him, but nobody knows. Because he's not about age. He has something I don't have. I said, what is it? They, 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 they even bomb me before they bomb you. So in the conversation, it's even showing. You know, there's a way some people cannot just bring themselves on the same level with the people they are older than. It's showing in their conversation like, don't talk to me like that. Too. Because you have money now. Yeah, I'm older than you, so respect me. Let me tell you this. Without results, what you have is insults. It is results that bring respect. You don't look for respect. You get results and respect will come automatically. Nobody respects you because of age. You can't use it to collect money in the bank. You enter bank and say, how old are you? I'm 30. So I'm what? I'm entitled to 30 million (laughs) dollars. They will first laugh. You must be a comedian. I'm serious. And you see my age? How How old are you? Or you this young cashier? I'm sure you as you are now, you can't pass 25. I'm older than you. <laughs> I would say, where were you? You were still in your mother's womb when I was graduating from school. Story. So ask questions, intelligence ones, because of questions that are not intelligence. Number two, serve without dissimulation. Number three, honor them publicly. Let me tell you this, private and secretive honor is not honor. If you truly honor somebody, people around you will know you honor that person. And they will know. They will know. Number four, give to them. Give to them. Give to them. There are some of my friends I don't visit without a gift. They are my friends who, but I don't visit them empty-handed. It's common sense. I know some of us, that's very strange to us. Ah, ah, you know friends. We are friends, but they have something I don't have. Can I ask my wife, she will tell you. Maybe she can go, but me, oh, that I'm going. Oh, we are going to. Some oh, of you, you have been going to the house of people that you are very close. They are watching you, you don't know. You are friends all the time. Just go there, you eat, eat, eat. They serve you, serve you, serve. It has never occurred to you that you should even go with a bottle of granites. Let me tell you this in life, never position yourself as a parasite. Never. Especially when you come around people that are higher than you. Never. Ever. Even if it's bottle of ever water, say that no, I don't want to disturb you. I know you are very busy. You know the water I want to drink, I brought it. They will laugh over it, but it will differentiate you, because everybody that comes around the successful person comes to take. Is it that they come to take advice, come to take counsel, come to take money, come to take shoe, come to take you? They shall come to take something. Be that person that goes to give. When you are around those who already have what you don't have, number next, never attack them or become envious of what they have. Never. Whatever you want to attract, you must never attack. Whatever you want to attract, you must never attack. Never become envious of them, either publicly or privately. Because envy, there's a way it eventually shows. You can't hide envy. Over time, it will show in your attitude. Over time, it will show in your words. Over time, it will show in your body language. Number eight, communicate your desire strategically and selectively. When you desire something, when you want something, communicate it. Communicate it. Why? Because there are no self-made men. There are only helped men. There is nothing you want to achieve, anything significant that you can get by yourself. Everything you will need to become, God will use people for you to become that thing. 
God will use people. And so you must learn to communicate your desires strategically and selectively. I say selectively because you can't tell everybody your desires. You can't. Some people, communicating your desires to them is a short guarantee that desire will never come to pass. Because some people, they carry ill will spirits. The moment you tell them, that thing can never happen again. Except by God's mercies. If not for the mercy of God, Joseph would never become what God wanted him to be. Because he told his brothers. But you see, when he told the baker and the butler, when he spoke with them, when he had conversations with them, and they told him their dream, their dream came to pass. His own dream also came to pass. There are people, when you tell them your dream, that dream will never come to pass again. Except by divine intervention. So communicate your desire selectively. Learn to discern who is who in your life. Learn to discern. Have discernment. It's not everybody that smiles with you that you should just open your mouth to and just be running your mouth. Ah, you see, in the next five years, I want to do this, I want to do that. Let me tell you this. It's not even everybody that you have even been good to that will be good to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are people who have ate my food used my things, (laughs) slept in my house. And yet, they are the ones that turned against me. So it's not about this person, my person, I've helped this person. One good turn in life does not always deserve another. Ah, I've helped this person, they will be good to me. Not always. So you have to be discerning. You have to learn who is who by the Spirit. Some people, you want to tell them some things that you can feel that the Holy Spirit is holding you back. Keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. Praise the Lord. Keep your mouth shut. Learn when to speak, learn when not to speak. There are some people you talk to about your desires and they feel entitled that it's supposed to be them, not you. Now, why should you be the one to have that desire? I, I, it should be my, that, that's my desire. I, it should not be you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Be careful of people who have entitlement mindsets. Entitlement mind. You know, there are some people that it's not even what you have that they are entitled to. They are entitled to you. I'll explain that. There are some people that feel that because they are your friend, you have no right to be somebody else's friend. You know, there are people like that. The moment you are getting close to somebody else, it's a problem. It's a problem. Like, what, what? They may not be able to tell you, but it becomes a problem. Why should you be close to so and so? Is as if a part of their life is about to be taken away. Those are dangerous people. And if you are like that, correct it. It's a problem. If you are like that, you will drive away good people away from you. People will be avoiding you. Some people don't know it, but it's an unconscious toxic programming. Most people are close to you like this. They can't be close to somebody else. Why? Even the Holy Spirit is not that possessive. It's demons that possess people. Are you a demon? As I round up this morning, have you been blessed? Yes, Create routines and systems for getting what you want. Create routine, routines, sorry, and systems for getting what you want. Create routines and systems for getting what you want. Getting anything is a byproduct of what you do daily, not what you do once in a while. 
The main difference between successful people and non-successful people is that successful people do things daily that unsuccessful people do when they feel like it. It's when they feel like it, when they feel like it. Those who live according to their feelings end up failing. You can't be driven by feelings. You must be driven by systems, driven by routines. Imagine, for instance, every human being is an, an embodiment of systems. You have the nervous system, you have the circulatory system, you have all those systems in your body. Imagine if your circulatory system said, today I don't feel like circulating anything. They are dead. That is why people's dreams are dying, because they only do things when they feel like Today I don't feel like walking. So your dream too takes a break. Create systems and routines. Let me tell you this. We live in an environment that does not understand structure. People find structure. You get to a place where all that has been said. They try to boycott it. No, 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 no. You see, let me tell you this. One of the things I fight the most, uh, one of the things that can make me lose respect for you the most, is for you not to honor the system I put in place. Because if you don't honor a structure, it is not the system you don't like. It is me you don't like. For instance, there are some people who believe uh, that after service, a pastor, you can have conversations with a pastor till any time. I'm a married man. My wife also needs my attention. I'm not one of the pastors that sleep from Monday to Saturday and waits to preach a boring message on Sunday. I walk throughout the week. If I'm going to see people on Sunday, it will be selective and it has to be predetermined. Structure. You know, some people just have that. No, we should be able to say pastor. We should be able to. So, if they can't say pastor, they have a problem with that. It's not me that you don't like. It's structure you don't respect. And let me tell you this nothing grows without order. Nothing grows without order. And we must let you. See, it's amazing when you see Nigerians, we are a disorganized people, until when you see them outside the country. Naturally, you see, Nigerians are just. Even from the embassy, you can see people queue. They will line up that line. You can use it to draw a that the line. You can use it to draw a line. Huh? But in a normal setting, you see people jumping queue. They are conscious that there is camera that can be watching them, and because of that, they may not give them visa. So they are very, very straight. They are looking at why are we like that? Why are we like that? Some of you now, what I said, you don't like it. What's wrong with Pastor? Is he not feeling like a big boy? He's not a big boy. It is wisdom. I want to live long. I want to live long. Because Saturday, Monday again, I resume work. On the average, I resume office 7 a.m. So by the time I see you to 7 p.m. on Sunday, when will I sleep? When will I have time for my wife? When will I have time? I also have parents. I have siblings. When will I have my own personal family time? My life is more than this place. Structure. Many people don't understand that. This will like me. You should like me because what I'm saying should also help you in your own personal life. Create a structure of days where you don't have visitors. Some people, anybody can visit you at any time. They can just show up at a day. They bring their load. And there is no departure dates. No structure. Anybody can just enter your kitchen. Let me tell you this. I know how that is because I've, we've lived our life like that. There was a time we had like nine people living with us. Anybody can cook anything, anytime. Even if it's what I want to eat and my wife, they don't like it, they will enter the kitchen and cook. Our finances was in disarray. No order, nothing. One day the Holy Spirit had to sit me down and say, you cannot continue living like this. And I started putting structure, people were living one by one. See, people will enjoy disorder with you until they finish your destiny. 
when they have finished you, they will go somewhere else. They will go somewhere else. Have days that is a no visit all day. It's me and my wife. Without phone. Without phone. Without phone. And TV. All of us will be talking to your spouse. You'll be Mongba, Mongba, Mongba. Ma, you are! You are not listening. It's my you that you are watching. Are you hear what I'm saying? All of us, you are talking to your wife, your husband, you are on TikTok. Those children you are not paying attention to now. One day you will crave for their attention. Day to day, we don't have your time. Daddy, let us play. Let us play. Oh, female, let me watch this. See, Mercy does not know you. And he will never know you. You destroy your family life because of people that don't care about you. Know why you guys are laughing? <laughs> what is the truth, right? Create structures in your life. You see, all those things, these examples I'm giving now, it is for people who want marital peace and bliss. You know, this is a church very strong on family. That's why you can hardly preach a message without talking about family. We are strong on family because God loves families. The first institution God created was a family. I love family. Praise the Lord. And you should love family. Care about your family. As a single, say, well, me, I'm still single. Be family conscious now. Family conscious. So create routines. Routines and systems that will help you get what you want. Routines and systems that will help you get what Some of those routines, let me just mention some. I'll continue from there on Wednesday. Some of those routines is buying and reading at least one book every month. There are certain things, you remember we said that in the scripture, Second Peter 1 and verse 3, that you will get it through knowledge. Through knowledge. There are some things you will never get if you don't. That's why as a culture, this church, we have a book of the month. Some people have never read it. They wait for review. They will review it for us. Continue. There is God. <laughs> you should develop to get what you want spend non-negotiable time with God every day in the place of prayers spend quality non-negotiable time with God every day in the place of prayers if you're going to fulfill your goal I'll continue from there next week Sunday if you're going to get your heart desires there are some routines that will sabotage your future that you need to avoid some of those routines is excessive consumption of entertainment. Avoid it. Instagram is entertainment. Ah, huh? it's the entertainment of 21st century. Social media is excessive. I'm not saying don't consume it, but excessive. For some of us, it is music. You can listen to song from morning to evening, and you are not a musician. You are not a producer. You are not artist. You have nothing to do with the music industry. Boring music from morning to evening. For some of us, it is movie. You are watching movies and your life is not moving. <laughs> Another routine to avoid that's going to be the last one is sleeping without schedule. Some of us will sleep anytime. We wake up anytime. There, you, we can't say this is the time you sleep. So you wake up at any time. In the name of businessman, 
That's why I believe this, I may be wrong, but I believe that anybody that wants to go into business or ministry or anything, huh, must have worked somewhere so that you can develop work ethic and a structure for work. The reason why a lot of business people don't succeed and a lot of ministers don't succeed is because nobody has created a structure around them for work. You can't say you will pray anytime. If you don't have a time of prayer, you shall never pray. It will not happen. You can't say, I don't know, I'm a business person. I have my time. <laughs> you must have a time for work. It means you must have a time to you sleep and you must have a time to wake up. And when it is that time, you will rise from the bed because you are not Lazarus. You must rise and wake up and get to work. Amen? Yes. Father, we thank you this morning for the seed of your word that has been sown in our hearts.